0: We'll dive right into the word and then uh, we'll go from there. Yes, pray, praise or prayer reports first. Pray, praise God. Praise God. Cool. Fantastic. So, Miss Sandy is starting to walk a little here and a little there without her walker. Praise God. That's wonderful. Healing power of God. Well, praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Is there any uh, prayer requests that we need to handle in-house tonight? No? Looks good. Looks good. Looks quiet in the house. Yes. Okay. Okay. We lift her up every Sunday during um, prayer healing school prayer, uh, and so we know that God's going to sustain her. But the fact that we know to pray specifically for that area, that's where her, for for the area that is expanding to stop expanding. So we can definitely do that. And then uh, of course, it is uh, fire season is ramping up out west. And if you know anything about what's going on, fire season wise, you know Canada is having fire activity like uh, like Australia did a few years ago. Um, in fact, um, Pastor Michael's uh, visa had expired, and he's in the process of getting it renewed. Um, but they had called him while we were while he was working on that, and said, "Hey, because uh, normally ads can't go out of country, but they've had so much activity that they actually opened the door for ads to go." Because they're just so desperate for help. Um, basically, a contractor. It's basically a contractor. It's basically what he does. Um, and so, uh, so if they're having that type of fire activity in Canada, and here's why they're having that fire activity in Canada: they're having that activity in Canada because the snow that Canada normally gets, our north, uh, west, and northern regions—north California, Washington, Oregon, the Dakotas up in that area—they got all they got all the snow that Canada normally gets. So Canada did not get its snow that it needed this year. Um, So you think, oh, well, then that area is saturated. Well, the problem with they get high snow is that when the grasses grow, the grasses grow much, much faster, much, much taller than they normally grow, so there's a lot more fuel. So now it's getting into the hot season, it's getting into the windy season, uh, it's getting into the dry season, and there's a ridiculous amount of fuel um, out there now because of all the snow that they got. So we just need to pray and believe for, um, that, the, that the fire season will be a very manageable season and will not get out of control. That's why they're actually um, getting these uh, units on the ground for as soon as the fires start now. So we'll pray and we'll get into the word tonight. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name. Father, it's an honor and a privilege to be in the house gathered together, your body as the the parts of the body being assembled together as the body. And, Father, as we approach your word tonight, as we continue our journey through the book of Revelation, Father, we ask that you give us supernatural wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. Father, we ask, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry, Lord. I went right to asking, and I didn't even give you praise or honor. Father, I'm so sorry. Father, I do praise you, and I do honor you. I thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. Father, I thank you that you're leading and guiding and directing the hearts and the minds of your people, even those that are not in the house tonight. Father, we thank you that you're leading and guiding, that you're speaking plainly and clearly to their hearts and to their minds. And, Father, we're just so thankful that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside, leading, guiding, and directing us. Now, Father, I just ask that as we approach Your Word, You give each and every person a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge of Your Word, Father. That that wisdom, that knowledge, give them an ear to see and an eye, I mean, an ear to hear and an eye to see and understand Your Word, Father. Help the Word to drop down into the good ground of the heart, into the spirit man so that revelation and understanding can come. Father, think through my mind and speak through my lips the very oracles of God. And, Father, we thank you that if there's anything that needs to be said to the hearts and the mind, that are, to the people that are in attendance or online, or that hear this message later, that by the Spirit it will be spoken. For, it, for freedom comes by the preaching of the Word and the operation of the Spirit. And so, Father, we thank you that hearts and minds are set free, Tonight In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, last week we looked at uh, chapter 14, and chapter 14 does not end on a wonderful note uh, because, it, because uh, John gives us a description of just how many people um, on Judgment Day are headed uh, into, um, into hell, and it's a very large, large number. And uh, before we get into that, thank you, Ms. Uh, Sue, for reminding me. She's back there doing this. Uh, thank you. Let's do our confession. It helps us. Come on. Let's do our confession. I've been, I've been studying this. I'm ready to get into it. Can you tell? Let's go. This is my Bible. It is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the spirit. I am the child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts, God's words are my words, God's actions are my actions, I am a doer of the word, glory to God, we are indeed doers of the word, we thank you Father, we thank you Father. So saying in chapter 14 it didn't end on a wonderful note, uh, because uh, the Lord showed us, huh? But, you were, but if you followed your assignment, you went ahead and read out of 15. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, so we'll just jump right in and we'll read and we'll see uh, what goes on here. And John said this, and he said, I saw another sign in heaven. A, this is great and marvelous. So, now notice he said this, is, this sign is great and marvelous. He said, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. Now, does that sound great and marvelous to you? No, it doesn't. Uh, but he said, "Great and marvelous, having the last uh, seven of the seven last plagues." And then notice he says, "For in them is filled up the wrath of God." Well, I'm going to talk about uh, this word "plagues" for just a minute. This word "plagues" uh, in the New Testament and the Old Testament means the same thing, uh, but in the Old Testament it also means to have a degree of sickness with it. But in this particular verse here, this word plague actually means a blow, as in like to hit something, a stripe, a wound, specifically a public calamity or heavy affliction. A public calamity or heavy affliction. Um, And it says... And here's why this, these public calamities or these heavy afflictions come. It says, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. The wrath of God. Um, and we're going to talk about the wrath of God kind of towards the end of this chapter a little bit more. Uh, but really, the, a better way to say it is um, is to say, for in them is filled up the judgment of God. God's judgment. Um, or God's consequences for their choices is really a, ba- a better way to say it. But we'll talk about that more at the end. He said, uh, but he said great and marvelous are these, are these wonders. Notice that Paul said, I saw another sign in heaven. What the book of Revelation is for is so that we, the believers, uh, in this day, can begin to warn people, about the signs of the times, about what's coming, and so we can put messages out there so that once the church gets called away, uh, there'll be resources available on the earth to help explain what what the people still on the earth are going through and so that they can get a hold of their Bibles and they can can figure out approximately where in God's timeline they are. Uh, So these are signs and wonders. These are things that... Um, And everything that happens in the spirit will eventually happen or manifest in the natural. So he's seeing these things. Um, At the same time that he sees these seven angels, it says this. He said, and I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire. Well, we know that uh, over there in chapter 4, it talked about the throne room of heaven and that before the throne room, that the floor in the throne room is basically crystal clear like glass. And it says, Ming, and notice here it says that it looked as though, it says, I saw as it were, in other words, this is what it reminded me of, is a sea of glass mingled with fire. So um, basically when, when we get glorified, we know that the heavenly throne is surrounded with great light. We know that glass reflects light. Uh, we know that Jesus uh, is had great light when he uh, that that people saw him with great light. Um, thereafter he was resurrected and got his glorified state. And then uh, Paul, when he when he was saw operating as saw and came in contact with Jesus, it says that he saw great light um, and word made in the image and the likeness of God. So what is this fire? This fire is. Probably more than likely a reflection of the glow off of the people because now we're glowing in the glory of God like Adam and Eve did. Um, and it says, And them that had gotten victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over his number, uh, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass having their hearts of God. So we can now see that this is a floor that they're standing on. Notice it says, it says, and I saw, he says, and he, notice it says, those that got victory over the beast, over the image, and over the mark of of the number, and the number. So we saw last week that when it comes to the mark of the beast, that you have to, that if you're given the mark, we saw that everybody's going to be compelled to take this mark. And I indicated um, heavily that it was going to be some type of electronic mark. The reality is is it could be a tattoo. It could be a stamp. It could just be some type of signia uh, that, they, that, that people have to see in order to allow you to purchase. Or it could be something digital. We don't know. But the indication that we saw um, out of... Let me give you the verses for those that didn't listen to last week. We saw out of chapter 13, verse 16 that a better translation is he maketh all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to be given a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. In other words, the indication is is that when you're right here at the end and the beast, Satan, the great serpent, the dragon, once he's in control of the the controlling nation of the world, he's going to make it possible, he's going to, basically create a situation where, it, where everybody in his region, if not the world, is going to be required to take this mark. But then when you get over to chapter 14 and verse 9, it says, And the third angel followed, and saying with a loud voice, If any man shall worship the beast and his image, and receive, take as his own, uh, the mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink the wine of the wrath of God. So we saw here that just having the mark is not enough to go to hell over. It's not enough. You have to worship the beast. You have to worship the, the image. You have to receive the mark in the hand as well as into your heart or your hand or your forehead. Um, so we see again in chapter 15, verse 3. Uh, Well, in verse 2, he said, And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark. Um, That word and is italicized, so we could say over the number of his name because we saw that they warned us about the number of his name. And again, just because something adds up to 666, if you understand numerology, doesn't mean it's the demon. You have to have all of these things together. It's not one over here and one over there. It has to be everything together. Um, then, and, and so what we see here is if so, he's specifically talking about those people that were in the seven years of tribulation. Yep, he's specifically talking about because we can't come, we can't get victory. Currently, today, we can't get victory over the beast, over his image, over the mark, and over the number because that, th- that stuff's not active. Not all of that is active on the earth today. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, we have to get victory over Satan, but we don't have to get victory over the mark and over the number and over everything else. We just have to get victory over the beast, and we do that through Christ. So, this, so who did he actually see? He actually saw those... That came through the seven years of tribulation and stayed with Christ all the way to the end. That's who he sees, okay? Um, and then it says, and it says that they ha- and it says having the harps of God. So when these people get to heaven they're given instruments. We've talked about that before, that we were all created to praise God. We were all created to sing songs. We were all created to be, in, to be able to play instruments. It's just through the corruption of the world, uh, those abilities have uh, been very, very, very um, hindered. And then in verse 3 it says, And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God. And this is really cool because this song of Moses is actually in Deuteronomy the very last chap- the very last verse in Deuteronomy 31 so Deuteronomy 31:30 30, it says that and Moses sang this song unto the Lord and then when you pick up in verse and pick up in chapter 32 all of chapter 32 of Deuteronomy is the song of Moses and those that that are thou in heaven they're singing that song that Moses sang uh, chapter 32 is the song, and then chapter uh, 33, I believe it's 32 and 33 in Deuteronomy, it's the last two chapters, uh, is the blessing that he blessed Israel with. And then that's it. Moses is gone, and then we pick up in Joshua. Um, yes. Oh, 34. And then 30, chapter 34 just kind of tells us how Moses checked out of here, and then you pick up in the, in, in the, book, of in the book of Joshua. So it says, they sang, us, they sang um, the song of Moses, the servant of God. This is why I tell our praise him, I don't care how old the song is. If it was given by the Spirit of God, it's still anointed today. Because i got news for you. When we get to heaven, we're going to be singing the song of Moses. How cool is that? <laughs> Makes me think, mm, my, maybe I ought to go learn that song. <laughs> no, our spirits know it. And then it says, and the song of the Lamb... Um, and then in the song of the lamb, uh, it says saying, so now it teaches us the song of the lamb. This is the song of the lamb. Great and marvelous are thy works. Lord God almighty, just and true are thy ways. Thou King of the saints. That's, that's the song of the lamb. Isn't that wonderful? See songs don't have to have, uh, six verses and three different choruses and interludes and everything else. They can just be short and simple and easy. That's why a lot of times you'll have a song in your heart and you'll think, Well, that's just me being goofy because it's not long and drawn out like the stuff they produce today. Uh, no, how much you know you can actually memorize uh, <laughs> you can actually memorize uh, great and marvelous <laughs> great and marvelous thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true thy ways, thou king of the saints. That's an easy song to remember. And uh, then he goes on and it says, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou art holy, and all nations shall come and worship before thee, and thy judgments are made manifest. So that's the second part of that song. So that's the second part of the song of the Lamb of God. Uh, two little verses right here. And then it says, now it doesn't tell us that the, that little blurb right there from John, where he sees the saints in the heavenly throne singing the songs of Moses, singing the song of Lamb, this scripture does not tell us at what point in uh, the future that happens. That doesn't tell us if it happens immediately after the seven years. It does. Some people, because of how chapter 14 ends, some people believe that as soon as the seven years is done, that Jesus comes to the earth and Jesus raptures these people. This is why some people believe in a post-tribulation rapture is because of the order of the prophecies in this book. However, we saw last week in chapter 14 that it never said when, he, when those things were done. It never said that. It just says that, he, that, that God told uh, John to write it down. If you look in chapter 14, verse 13, chapter 14, verse 13, and it says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, right. Nowhere did God give us the timeline for when the reaping of the earth and the reaping of the tears would happen. He didn't tell us that. And then when we get in chapter 15, he still doesn't tell us when those that were those that were uh, harvested will be in the heavenly throne. It doesn't tell us that. It just tells us what they will do when they get into the presence of the Lord. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to everybody? See, God doesn't give us all of the details, and that's what we have to understand. God doesn't give us all of the details. He just gives us the highlights. He just gives us the highlights so in chapter, um, in chapter 13, where it really looked like the devil was just having a heyday and the devil was winning at every turn, God said, no. He said, the devil's going to have his turn, but I'm also going to have my turn. And when I take my turn, I'm just going to come in and I'm going to uh, reap the wheat, the Christians, and my angels are going to reap the tares, the nonbelievers saturated in sin, and then uh, my believers will be there in the throne with me throne room, and they're going to be singing the song of Moses, and they're going to be singing the song of the Lamb, and it's going to be and there's going to be music, and that's going to be wonderful. That's all this scripture gives us any information about. Does that make sense? All right. Then look at uh, verse five, and it says, and after that I looked. So he gets a flash of the of the of those that came through the tribulation that loved Jesus he got a flash of them in heaven singing and praising and after he looks at that he turns and it says and after that I looked in other words he looked to something different he looked to a different place he saw something totally different and he says and I looked and he said after that I looked and behold the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. So now, John, now we know that John is there in the center of the holy city. We know that he sees the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony. And we see that this, te- this tabernacle of the testimony is in heaven and that it's opened. What is the temple of the tabernacle of um, the testimony? Well, we can pick out a few things by the name. He said it's the temple, that means that's the place of worship, that's the place where God dwells. He said of the tabernacle, uh, that, that indicates the place where, the men, where, where men came to meet with God face to face, of the testimony. Well, this is the place where the people come and they share their testimonies and tell God about how good he was to them. So this is the place where uh, people are talking about their testimony and we know that this place is in heaven. And that it was opened. And it says, and the seven and the seven angels and the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues clothed in pure white or clothed in, in pure and in and white linen. Now this is very interesting. These angels are clothed in pure. These angels do not have warring armor on these are not warring angels these angels are dressed in the pureness of god this means that these are angels of the temple it says that they're dressed in white linen that indicates every time the angels have appeared upon the earth they've always been dressed in radiant white linen Uh, so there's an indication that they're going to the earth here and it says, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. Now, ladies, this is not a girdle like what we think of. It's not a thing that hems in all your bumps, lumps, and curves. That's not what this is. This girdle is what we more fashionably in this day call a a, a belt that goes across the chest or a sash. A, a, a sash. And so these were golden sashes, and most frequently... Uh, In Roman times, these sashes were used to keep their uh, robes or their tunics closed. So it was a, in other words, this was what you might consider, uh, um, you know, our military have what they call their class A's or their dress uniforms. So we can see that these angels have dress uniforms on. They're not dressed for battle. They're not dressed for war. They're not, uh, they're not. Dressed in that fashion at all, they actually have the pureness of God. They're clothed in the pureness of God. They're dressed in the fine white linen. They've got the they've got these golden sashes or these golden belts. Another thing is, um, is uh, these sashes or these belts. A lot of times they had a loop on them, and these loops for were for holding their honor weapon. You know, their honor uh, swords and things like that. So they're dressed in an honor position. Okay. And it says, and so, and then verse 6, it says, um, or verse 7, now this is, this is incredibly cool. This is what I did not see until today, and I actually had to call Pastor Mike and say, oh my goodness, I saw something, because we'd read this probably eight or nine times. And it says, in verse 7, he says, and one of the, fourth, one of the four beasts gave on to the seven angels seven golden vials filled Are full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. Now, most of the time when you see this, you think, well, that's the wrath of God. It must have been God that gave them the vials. That is not what this says. Check this out. Who gave the angels the vials? One of the four beasts. One of the four beasts. Remember we saw in the beginning of Revelation that there's four beasts, and these are massive. These are massive angelic spirits these are massive creatures and uh they're they're above the throne and they're flying and they're constantly saying holy 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 remember ezekiel saw four beasts above the throne and remember they were connected together with the wheels and we also found out that the beasts have a hundred eyes and that the eyes are always looking to and fro and everything they're constantly watching remember we learned that about the beast Some of y'all are looking at me like, wait, did we learn that? Yeah, we learned that. (laughs) It was was several several weeks ago uh, when they, you know, they'd say, holy, holy, holy. Um, but, But these beasts, these beasts have over 100 eyes apiece. They've got six wings, and they're watching everything all the time. They're watching everything all the time. Now, this is very important. Pay attention. And it says, one of the four beasts gave the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. You've always taught me that God is good. Yes, I have. How much do you know God is good? He, the Father God. The Father God is good. But how much do you know that the Father God has more than one job? He also has the job of judge. He also has the job of supreme ruler of everything. He is the king of kings. He is the king of kings. Okay, so that's really cool. Uh, But one of his jobs is to be a judge. Now, uh, we all all have parents. Everybody has parents, right? Everybody has parents, all right? One of the very crazy things about kids having parents is kids should have what's called reverent fear or reverent respect for their parents. And the reason that they should have reverent fear or reverent respect for their parents is because while their parents should be, should be, we understand it's a corrupted world and not every parent gets this part right. We get that. But should, your parents should always be good to you. They should always be good to you. But how much do you know, as good as parents can be to you, parents can also make your world, what we perceive in our mind, a living nightmare. In that they have the authority, they have the power, they have control to take away privileges. They have the authority, they have the power, they have the control to make you to suffer consequences. Now, parents don't like to invoke this side of most parents. Good Christian biblical parents do not like to invoke that position of parent. But how much you know a parent can ground you? A parent can ground you. And parents grounding, there's all kinds of ways that parents can give you consequences. There's an area that God designed on your backside that has a little extra cushion to it that is purposely designed for the parents to use discipline tactics with. That's called a spanking. A spanking. A disciplined spanking. Now, there's a big difference between a disciplined spanking and a disciplined beating. There's a big difference, and God says don't beat, but how much do you know sometimes when that, when that flip-flop, that hairbrush, that, 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 uh, that uh, what, they, what did they tell you? When, you when they pulled the car over, they told you to go get the what, the, the switch, the switch, go get me a switch, go get me a hickory. Yeah, make sure it's not, and don't give me one of them thin ones that's going to break. Give me one that's going to hold up, you know. Give me one of those. You know, the hairbrush. How many of you had the, I mean, I know I'm looking at the young generation. Y'all don't know nothing about this. But how many of you got the the pancake flipper or the spatula or the wooden spoon? The wooden spoon? Now, in in my household, Mom was a hairdresser, and uh, Mom, being a hairdresser, she always had A comb, or she had one of them brushes that had holes in it, so it caught, so it caught wind. She always had one of those in hand. Michael's parents, they liked, they liked getting the boys those paddles that had the balls on them, because when the ball broke, the paddle became mama and daddy's, mama and daddy's. Okay, so there's there there's the there's the spanking, but then there's the uh, you're not going anywhere. There's that grounding. There's the, no, nope, you're grounded, you're staying put, you're staying home, you're not going. To... Then there's the there's the one of, um, you're not talking to anybody on the phone. Now, see, in our day, the phone was attached to the wall, so that was, that was, you know, hard enough. But now they've got the, instead of, you can't talk to the phone, talk on your phone, now they just say, hand over the phone. Hand over the phone. Then when you get to driving, how much, you know, they say they can take away the car. How many of you ever had to write? Did you ever have to write? Yeah, had to write, right? You had to write, I will not lie, or you had to write scriptures. Or I made Derek write one year. I sure did. Yes, uh-huh. yes I sure did. His mama said, well, Pastor, she, she, his mama said, Miss Robbie, what you want him to do? I said, oh, Miss Gwen, that boy's going to be writing. She said, good. Yeah, I made him write one year because he did something wrong in church. And I said, well, I think he needs to write down the scriptures and get him down on the inside of him. So he sure did. Uh, How much you know? Uh, There's all kinds of... Uh, My sister, at one point in time, my sister said, you know, I used to send Jordan to his room. She said, but I found out that she said, but that doesn't work because he just goes in there and plays because he's got all his toys in his room. I said, well, if that's the problem, then I guess you need to take all the toys out of his room. And then she said, well, where am I going to put them? And I said, well, somewhere in the house, I guess. And she said, well, then they're going to be in my way. And I said... Don't you have an addict? And she said, do you know how inconvenient that's and how hot that's going to be for me? This is a problem today. Today, parents refuse to discipline their kids because it inconveniences them. However, that is not a problem that God has. That is not a problem that God has. God does not have a problem with disciplining his children. Have you ever have you ever said something to your parents and your parents were like, Don't talk to me? Yeah, uh-huh. Yep. God will do that. There's been times I've been disobedient to God, and now I go to God about something in need, and He won't even answer me. Where do you think I learned that from? <laughs> Listen, God will close his mouth and just choose not to speak to you till you get right and obedient. And I'm like, so you know he'll give you the answer, and then he'll just be quiet until you go do it. okay? God is the master of of uh, correction. Now we're talking about people now before we talk before we get into this next chapter, you need to understand the people that God is trying to correct are people that are completely steeped in sin. They are so steeped in sin. That God has released them to what he calls in Romans chapter 1, a retrobate mind. In other words, and if, when you get into that and you read that out of some other translation, it says, he, uh, in some other translations, and I think it's in my modern English one, it says that their stupid thinking, their twisted thinking has made them stupid, as in almost retarded, what we would refer to before it was politically incorrect to do so, retarded. Okay? So the people that God is trying to discipline are people that have a retrobate mind. Their thinking is so completely twisted. They are steeped in not just sin, but severe sin. These are people that... Guys are having sex with guys. Girls are having sex with girls. Some people are having sex with trees. Some people are having sex with animals. Some people are, they're into all kinds of weird, and I'm just, I I mean, I was polite in what I just said. I was very polite in what I just said in comparison to what they're involved in. These people are involved in tattooing. These people are involved in demonic worship. These people are involved in uh, human sacrifices. These people are involved in uh, witchcraft. These people are involved in uh, alcoholism and drunkenness and murdering and, I mean, every type of sin. Like, they're, they're, such, they're such proficient liars, they believe their lies are truth. Okay? Okay. These are what you call the hardened of the hard sinners that he's going to be dealing with. Okay? So, and he is doing, and God is doing everything he can to keep these people out of hell for all of eternity. For all of eternity. So, in this, now, you need to understand this about the judgment of God. God Judgment is God's Love in action. You need to write that down. The judgment of God is his love in action. Okay? And his love in action, for example, if there is somebody that's serving God, but they step over and they get into sin, and they're at ri- if they stay on the road that they're in, and they're, on, they're at risk of losing their salvation... It's the mercy and judgment of God. It's the love of God to allow for him to allow Satan to take them out prematurely while they're still heaven bound. Then to leave them on the earth and wait for them to lose their salvation. Does that make sense? So the judgment of God is the love of God in action. So in a minute, we're fixing to see these plagues. And it's going to sound awful. But... How much you know? I have always said most people will not come to God in, in, in rainbows and puppy dog toes. Most people, until they hit absolute, total rock bottom with no way out, most people will not surrender to God, especially these people that are so heavily steeped in sin. Okay? So where it says... Um, And uh, she's got that right there, Revelation. She had it uh, um, in Romans. It was 1 28. There you go. And so right here it says, And one of the four beasts gave unto the servant, gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God. Now, as I said, this word wrath means a blow, a stripe, a wound, a public command. Calamity. Remember I said one of the ways our parents could take care of us, to to get us disciplined, was to give us a blow or a strike on the area of our body designed for blows and strikes, the rear end, a spanking. Okay. So what these golden vials are filled with are basically a spanking from God. Only it's the severe of the severe of the severe hardened criminals. Okay. Okay. All right, so hold on. Now, where it says of God, this is an incredible word. Huh? What'd you say? Okay, well, hang on with me. This word of God, so that's what wrath means. Wrath means a blow, a stripe, a wound, a public calamity, a heavy, uh, notice it says a heavy affliction. In other words, he's going to let these people come under extreme pressure and stream affliction so hopefully they will turn to him okay now that word so and 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 the way this greek works out um that word um wrath is one greek word of god is a different greek word and but this word of god is not the word elohim it's not the word jehovah it's not any of those words that we would think would be a god word This word of God is the word theos, theos. It is spelled, let me find it in my notes because I wrote it down for you, theos is just like it sounds, t-h-e-o-s, theos. This word theos is a general name of God for deities. So this word sometimes is used, in fact, most of the times it's used for the little g-gods. When it's used for the big G God, it means that it's speaking of, only the, of the only true God. But specifically, very much so, and in this case, this is the definition that it means, it's, it's whatever can, in any respect, be likened onto God or resemble him in any way. Specifically, it refers to God's representative or a vice regent V I C E R E G E N T vice regent what a vice regent is a vice regent is a magistrate or a judge a magistrate or a judge that basically can act like god himself they have as much authority As God God Himself. In other words, when these magistrates, when these judges rule, it's as though God ruled Himself. So, understanding that these vials are full of the wrath of God, and it wasn't God but one of the four beasts that handed over the vials, what does this tell us about the beast? Because we didn't understand, we didn't understand the role of the beast up until now. We didn't understand the role of the beast. We do know that over in Deuteronomy, the Bible tells us that heaven and earth records this day every day against us. We know that heaven and earth, that everything that we say and do is recorded. We know that the angels are watching everything that we say and do. These beasts, these massive creatures with a hundred eyes, are above the heavenly throne where God sits. And they're turning, and they're watching, and they're recording like magistrates and judges, and they hand down, and so so now they've watched all of history. They've watched the seven years of 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 the tribulation, of the great tribulation. They see the fullness of the sin that these people are in, and now they have. Now it's their job. It's their opportunity, because God is the judge above them. This is their job. It's like, it's like going to the state court, and then God's like the supreme court. So right here, it's like the state court is, is getting ready to place judgment, to place penalty upon those that have rejected God. That's what these vials are filled with. Does this make sense? You had a question, Ms. Jackie? Okay. 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 Just four questions. Well, we might answer them as we go through here, maybe. Now, so these so the beast hands the vials over. We understand that they're what they are handing over is they are handing over public calamity. Um, they are having handing over heavy affliction, so that maybe just maybe these that have still rejected God after everything that's happened, might turn back to God. So, is God sending down evil? It will feel like evil, but really, he's allowing them to come under affliction so that maybe, basically, he's, he's giving them consequences for their choices. God's allowing them to have a little taste of hell so that maybe, just maybe, they'll change their minds. Okay, and then verse 8 says, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God. So they're doing this with God's, with God's approval. The beasts and the angels, they have God's approval for this. His glory fills the temple. And um, so the, the temple is filled with the smoke from his glory and from his power. And no man, no person, no nobody of mankind was able to enter into the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels are fulfilled. In other words, the judge says, how much do you know when the judge lays down his decision, when, he's in his, when the judge is in his chambers deliberating, how much do you know that's not when the lawyers go in and try to change his mind? The case has already been written, and now the judge is getting ready to hand, lay down the penalty, and, he's, and, he, and it's being handed down. That's what's happening here. Okay, Now, we see this um, over in the Old Testament. We see that when God's uh, glory fills the temple that no man is able to stand. We see that no man is able to speak. I've been in services where we've gone to speak by the power of God, and then all of a sudden we can't speak. They talk about how when Dad Hagen, uh, when he in his encounter of going to hell, his experience of going to hell, that the glory of God filled the room, and that his mom... Uh, couldn 't even get into the room, his grandmother couldn 't get in the room. It, he actually talked about how he was told later that his mom backed all the way up I think it was into the was it into the kitchen it was all the way down the hallway or, or I guess maybe the top of the stairs, but she backed all the way down the hallway and took a full speed running run to try to get past this cloud that entered his room and she hit it because it was right there at the doorway. She hit it and she fell back backwards like a dead man. See, when, the, when God's glory fills the place, you ain't getting in there unless he wants you in there. It's not happening. And that's what happened here in the heavenlies. All right. So now, chapter 16. He said, and this is what John said. John said, I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Who was the great voice? One of the four beasts. One of the four beasts. Because it was the beast that hand, handed over the vials. He said, I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. So he said, he said, all right, angels, you've been given your assignments. Go hand out the punishment. Go hand out the the consequences for these people's behavior. That's what this angel said. This is what the beast said to the angels. Now, we don't know exactly when this takes place in the seven years. We know that this happens towards the end of the seven years. We don't know if this happens um, directly when the beast shows up at the three-and-a-half-year mark or if this is, two, this is five years in with two years left to go or if this is the last year or last six months. All we know is that this takes place during the seven years, okay? We, know, we just know that this takes place during the seven years. And it says, verse 2, And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a newsome and grievous sore upon the men, which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. So we know from the scripture here that those that are Saved by God, those that have received God, they're not going to—they're not going to have to deal with this first affliction, this ha- first heavy affliction. This first one only impacts those that have chosen to reject God, huh? They're on the earth. This, uh, but notice it says he said, uh, which he said the sore fell upon the men, which means mankind—men, women, and children which had the mark of the beast, so they had received it, and worshipped, and it says, and upon them which worshipped his image. So these were the people that had at least two of the three qualifiers. At least two of the three qualifiers, they ended up with these sores. Now when you look at this Newsome and this Grievous, what this describes is basically what's a boil, if you don't know what a boil is, it's basically an oversized, very gross, very painful pimple. That's basically what it is. Um, and they can get, they can be kind of small, or they can be very large. They're gaping, opening wounds in the skin. Uh, these, however, these wounds um, are not only uh, boils, but they're also very contagious. These are very, very, very contagious. These are very, very, bo- uh, very, very um, painful. These are very gross, which means they're probably seeping some really gross pus and blood and even maybe even uh, diseased blood, you know, that brown blood that that stinks to high heaven. So these are very gross sores. These were very painful sores, and they're all over their bodies. They're everywhere. This is very similar to what Job went through. Very, very similar to what Job went through and very, very similar to what the Egyptians went through. Okay. remember, uh, remember in Egypt, remember God sent plagues upon Egypt and every plague was to mock or make fun of or to show that the Egyptians, that their gods couldn't do what their gods said they would do. And so more than likely, these this beast that these people are worshiping said more than likely says, oh, I can heal any sickness in every sickness. Any and every sickness. Well, why can he heal any and every sickness? Because he's the one that brought any and every sickness. Now, in this situation, and I don't understand how this works, uh, I, I really don't, but this, this plague, uh, Satan is not going to be able to heal these people. Satan is not going to be able to heal these people. They're, they're not going to be able to. Um, so where did he get the plagues from? That's one of those mysteries that we're going to have to hear from God when we get there we don't understand it completely. Um, I don't know. Uh but we do know that God's not a thief and we do know that, you know we we know that uh it's not, not good to go against God. And we know that Satan is not God's lynchman, so we know that God didn't get with Satan in the back room and go, Hey, I need you to go send a plague down on these people. That didn't happen. So this is going to be one of those mysteries that we're not going to be able to understand until we get to heaven. Where did God get this particular pestilence from? God will have to let us know when we get there. But uh, I can say this. This pestilence, whatever it is, it's already on the earth. God just makes a use of it. Does that make sense? It's already on the earth. God just makes use of it. Okay? Okay. So more than likely, Satan has somehow already gotten this, these very contagious boils somehow. I don't know. Maybe it's cooked up in a lab somewhere, and it gets released. Mm, we can't imagine anything like that happening. You know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to say that. <sighs> right. All right. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as blood... Of a, dead, of a dead man. So it doesn't say that the sea, now this is talking about the oceans. It doesn't say that the sea becomes blood. It says that the sea becomes as blood. Okay? So it turns red. It's thick. It stinks. It's not drinkable. It's not usable in any way. And whatever it is, it says, and every living soul, not every living spirit, every living soul died in the sea. So not only does the water become unusable but all of the marine life dies. All of the, Now can you imagine what kind of that's going to make a horrendous smell? I mean, just thinking about it kind of turns my stomach. Uh yeah. You definitely don't want that sushi. And then it says and the, yeah, if they're selling sushi that day, don't eat it. And the third angel and the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of water, and they became his blood. So now this is, so first the oceans get turned to being something like blood, and all the animals die. And so now everybody's like, oh, well, there's, there's still the rivers. The rivers are okay. The springheads are okay. No, they're not. Not anymore. Not anymore. So all of the water of the world gets affected by these two angels doesn't say if it happens at once or if it's one right on top of the other. It doesn't specify. We just know that he sent out all seven angels at one time. That's what it says. No, it says as... Right. Again, we don't know. Again, the second one says, and they became blood. I I believe it would be, and they became like blood in this situation. Um, And then in verse 5... He said, and I heard the angel of the waters, so one of these two angels of the waters, so this is the one, the fountains of waters, those are all the spring heads. So the second angel, this is what, he sa- what the second angel says. Now remember, I said the angels are watching everything and have been for all of history. And this is what this angel says. He says, Thou art righteous, O Lord, uh, which art and was and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. In other words, he's, this angel says, God, you're right. Your judgment is right. In other words, this angel is, is patting God on the back and saying, God, you picked the right punishment, the right consequences. Now, you young people who aren't parents, you don't understand this, but, when, but you will at some point in your life. When, you're, when, it's, when your child messes up and you've got to lay down consequences that's actually, a, that's actually a very hard and grievous and tormentous thing for the parents because they, it, it truly is. It truly, truly is because, again, good parents, a good again, good parents, they want to lay down the right level of consequences to where their child learns and repents and changes their behavior, but they don't want to, too light of consequences, and there might as well not been any, and too heavy a consequence can actually send them further into rebellion. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes kids choose to rebel even when the consequence is perfectly right because it's that child's choice. But the parent is carrying the weight of this. And so this ain't. and God is no different. He's looking at his children. These are children that have rejected him. These are children that are in full rebellion. Let's give this a natural equate. Let's say you've raised your child. You've done everything you know to do right. And your child ends up a complete and total addict. I mean, they're, they're addicted to everything on the streets. They're addicted to alcohol. They're addicted to drugs. They're popping pills. They're shooting. They're snuffing. They're huffing. They're drinking. They're doing everything they can. And... Because of it, they're robbing, they're stealing, they're having sex with everything under the sun, and, and you've been giving them a place to live, um, and now they're stealing from you, they're tearing your house up, they're making your house a total nightmare, and now you are to your wits end, and you're like, I have no choice but to kick my child to the curb. Is that really cruel? Not at all. It's exactly what they need. They won't feel like that's what they need. They'll feel like you've abandoned them. They'll feel like you've rejected them. They'll feel like you've turned your back on them. But what they need is they need a hard wake-up call. And honestly, you should have made that call long before this point. Really, truly. And so God has, has given these people time and time and time and time and time, and he's corrected them gently, and he's corrected them gently, and he's corrected them gently, and now he has to pull out the big guns. And so he sends the angels to, to, to do this, and the angel lays it out, and the angel says, Thou art righteous, O Lord, thou art and was and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. In other words, the angel says, It's about time, God. It is about time. That's really what the angel is saying. And here's why he says it's about time. He says, for they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and they have given them blood to drink, for for they are worthy. He said, listen, he said, they're killing your people. He said, these people are out here murdering and killing your people. They're doing everything they can do to get them to reject you. And they're basically, they're basically killing them. They're basically spirit, spilling their spiritual blood. Um, so you know what, God, it's right and just that you give them blood to drink. I mean, does that not sound like a fair judgment? It doesn't say that, but the angel's just saying. He said basically, spiritually they've been spilling blood, and now you've given them physical. What appears to be physical blood to drink. In other words, there's nothing on the earth that they can drink. Yeah, verse four does say that they that it became blood. Yeah, yeah. So possibly, uh, here's what I'm going to tell you. I don't. I'm going to make sure I'm not here to experience it. <laughs> I'm reading this and I'm going. This right here is why I'm not going to be here. <laughs> if no other reason, this one right here. <laughs> this one gets me. In verse seven, and he said <laughs> john said, and i heard another out of the altar say, even so, Lord God, Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments, and the first, so uh, so another angel who's still in heaven he 's in the altar room with God, where God has closed up the tabernacle, and that and this angel is hiding under the altar, and he goes, Lord, I agree' He He ducks and covers from God. How much do you know when your parents have had enough of you, you duck and cover? You duck and cover. It's no different with God. It's no different. Come on. And it says, and the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power or jurisdiction was given to him, talking about the sun, to scorch men with fire or to burn men with fire. And it says, and the men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, uh, which hath power over these plagues. Now, I don't know how bad this heat is going to be,
1: but I imagine
0: when I was a teenager, we, my youth group, thought it would be a great idea to go on a, what was it, a three day canoe trip down the Peace River in Florida? We thought it would be, we all thought this would be great. Now, you're going to take a very pale person on the river for three days in the middle of summer in Florida. Somehow, this is not good wisdom. Now, I did have sunscreen, but sunscreen only gets you so far. And by the third day, I had such a severe sunburn that I could not. I mean, if the sun even touched bare skin, I thought I was just going to fall over and die. So now I'm in the canoe, and I've got my long pants on and long sleeve shirts on, and it hurts, and I'm being cooked through, through my clothes, and I'm like, keep the boat in the shade at all times and get me off this boat as quickly as possible. I'm done. How much do you know it takes it a day or so for the, for the fullness to show up, for the fullness to show up? I think I missed the next three days of school because I literally could not put clothes on. It was that bad. And I had, yep, sun poisoning, and there was probably some windburn on top of it, and I had, like, blisters, and it was bad. Now, that was heat in the 80s. It's already heated up. Now, uh, there's no way you'd get me on the river for three days. Now, in Florida, in the middle of summer, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. I don't care if I have SPF 100. It ain't happening. I am smarter than that. But this says that the sun is going to be so hot that it's going to feel like these people are literally on fire. And we complain about the hot now. We complain about the hot now. In some places, it gets up into the 120s currently. Uh, Right. That's why we don't live there. Um, and this is, and this is where, and, and the, so can you imagine the burning that's going to take place when the angel gets to go? Are we there? Hello, hello. Test, test, test. There we are. Okay. Let me pull this off. All right. So, even with all of this, the boils, with the, with the, no water to drink because all the water's turned to blood, and at this point, all the bottled water. Because somebody's thinking bottled water. Listen, you're at the end of the seven years. There's no bottled water left on the planet. There's not. Yeah, it's it's gone. The bottled water is gone. There is no bottled water. Uh, and and now you're being burned up by the sun. Your air conditioners more than likely are not working. The power grids are, are are probably down at this point. So this is bad. And so even in this extreme distress, these people will not call on God. I think so, yeah. She has to of them and these people are already alive today. Yeah, I believe so. Um, absolutely. From what I see, I don't think so, no. All right. So, let's go on to verse 9 or verse 10. It says, and now that's only four angels of the seven. That's only four of the seven. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. So this fifth angel, he his what he does is he's right there Where the where, um, probably this is probably right around Israel. This is right, probably Jerusalem. This is right at where this person that is what we refer to this person that's possessed by the beast, this person that is Satan incarnate, um, this this vial is poured out right there in his city. And it says, and the fifth angel poured out his vial. Upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. Now, this darkness, some people could say, well that's the sun gets darked out. This darkness can be and up to include physical blindness. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah, remember the angels struck those cities with blindness and the and the, and all of the men, all of those cities, the men were struck blind. That's the indication here is that this, this kingdom uh, or this city, these people are going to be struck with darkness. Rather, it's there's not going to be any light or any sun, but that seems kind of counterintuitive because the sun is one of the plagues. So why would he say, well, the whole earth is going to burn, but right here in Jerusalem? That's counterintuitive to me. So I think this has to do with people are going to be suddenly struck with blindness. They're not going to be able to see. Um, and then it gets crazy from there. And this is apparently not a comfortable blindness that they're struck with. And it says his, it says his kingdom was full. So all the regions that he, that he controls, all of the people are going to be struck with this blindness. And they gnaw their tongues for pain. In other words, this, whatever causes this blindness is so painful that the people are literally biting their tongue and chewing on their tongues. That's how much pain there is. You know, we talk about, well, I'll just bite my tongue through the pain. These people were literally biting and chewing their tongues because of the severe pain that they are under because of this sudden blindness that comes upon them. Yeah, so this is not something that you want to be involved with. And it says in verse 11, it says, And blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their diseases. So these people are still, these people still have the sores. They have the sores. They have nothing to drink. It's hot. The sun is scorching. Now they're blind. They're chewing their tongues. More than likely, they're bleeding from their mouths. And they still blaspheme God. They still curse God. They still reject God. This is how steeped in sin these people become. And it says, the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now we actually went, and we look, actually looked at the Euphrates. The Euphrates comes out at the Persian Gulf, and it goes all the way up. Basically, it goes all the way up through what I call the land of idols, the, the land of idols. It goes through Syria, it goes through Iraq, it goes through the mountains, it goes up through Jer- where Jericho used to be. I mean, it goes through up through Kuwait. I mean, it goes through all of those lands. Everywhere that these people are just full of idolatry, the Euphrates River goes right up through every bit of that territory. And it says that this river dries up. Well, the Euphrates uh, in that area, that is the water source for all of that region. And it's been turned to blood and now it dries up. Well, what's the significance of it drying up? Well, this is also very mountainous and very desert territory. So when the river dries up, then that, then that essentially makes a roadway. It essentially makes a roadway. And once you get on this roadway, you've got easy travelability all the way up to, towards. Um, Jerusalem and Israel and to where these nations are going to be centered it gives you easy access uh, to where the seat of Satan is now this is what confused me it says because um so that the and it says to make it says dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared now I got to looking at this how much you know we're called the western world and it says the kings of the east so I got to looking at the Euphrates and I'm like the kings of the east, well, is that not North Korea, South Korea, China, Japan, like, India? Like, is that not that region? That would be east for these people. So I'm thinking, well, these nations are not coming to help these people. Because some people have taught that the Euphrates is going to dry up, and that's going to make way for the for what, for the eastern nations, and they'll say... Um, you know, that's the United States and, you know, the good countries, you're, you know, the good Europeans and all. That's going to make it so that the allies, the good people, the allies of God, can get in there and throw Satan off the seat. That doesn't make any sense to me. First of all, um, last time I checked, God doesn't need man to fight his war for him. Last time I checked, the, the God has always said, this is not your war, it's mine. God has always said, uh, you're not going to have to fight this battle, I will. So it doesn't make sense to me. And the scripture doesn't say we have, we've yet to see a single scripture that says uh, nation against nation. We've not yet seen the scripture. But yet that's what they teach is that, uh, that the nations are going to come against each other. That's not what this says. It simply says that the Euphrates is going to dry up so that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now the kings... Are those that rule the nations. So let's keep reading to find out why does this why does this pathway need to be made up. And look at what he says in verse thirteen. Now this is crazy. How many of you have heard heard me or brother Randy talk about the vision of the frogs? Have y'all heard them talk about the vision of the frogs? Remember, Dad Hagen in the 1970s saw a vision. Of three giant frogs they weren't frogs but they were frog-like creatures that came out of the ocean and leaped across the nation and they brought three tactics of Satan across our land check this verse out because when I saw it I went oh my goodness check this verse out he said and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs three unclean spirits like frogs I went that's actually in the Bible well, this is different, but I thought, frogs, this is in here. Now, that word come is isalicized. So, let's read that without it, and let's see what God actually said. He said, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. Now, they're not frogs. They just resemble frogs out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now, we've not talked a whole lot about the false prophet, but there'll be false prophets just like the false prophets are starting to grow now, there'll be false prophets even in the seven years of tribulation. And so, apparently, this these frog-like creatures, there's one in the dragon, one in the beast, and one, and one in the false prophet. Let's keep reading the verse. I turned my page too far. Let's read the next verse. For they are... So this is telling us what these unclean spirits are. He said, for they are spirits... Of devils. These frog-like creatures are spirits of devils, working miracles, go forth or which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So these three demons that are operating in these three people, uh, these demons are working through other devils and other people to bring all, look at what it says, it says, for these are spirits, so we understand that these are not, this is not the man that contains the beast. This is not the man that contains the dragon. This is not the man that contains the false prophet, that is the, the, the house. It's the spirits behind them. And the spirits behind them are unclean spirits, which are devils. It says, for these are the spirits of devils. Okay? So that means that there's multiple spirits of devils. It says, work, And these people work miracles. Pay attention. These people work miracles. And they do this, that which is italicized so that they can go forth into the onto the kings of the world. That means the leadership of the world. They can go over here to the President of the United States. They can go to the Prime Minister of Canada. They can go to the Prime Minister of England. They can go to all of these governors and and, and uh, presidents and all of this. And it says, you can go forth to the kings of the earth and of the whole world. These demons are going to have control of the leadership of the world and they're going to drive these people to gather them to the battle of the great day of god almighty these demons now these people these demons may have these people believing that they're going to go fight each other but really the reason that these demons are gathering these kings and these nations is so that these kings and these nations can go to war with god that's who, that's who he's bringing them in for. So the Euphrates is, dry, is drying up so that all of these people have clear access to get to this one place. Now, let's keep reading. Now, verse 15. My Bible is a red-letter Bible, but they failed to make verse 15 in red. So let me be very clear. In verse 15, this is God talking. This is Jesus talking. And Jesus, in the middle of all of this, he says, Behold, I come as a thief, blessed he that watcheth, and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. Jesus gives the, the, when all of these kingdoms are getting ready to be gathered, Jesus gives one last shout, and he says, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Now, it doesn't say that Jesus is a thief. He just says, I'm coming as a thief. How much do you know the thief comes when you're not paying attention? He said, so Jesus warns them. He says, I'm coming. He's giving them one more shout. He's giving them one more chance. And he says, get it right. He says, because I'm coming, you better watch. You better keep your garments clean. In other words, you better be clean, live clean, living clean. He says, otherwise, I'm going to come in, and it's going to be like you're naked. In other words, all your sin all your filth, all the demon activity, it's all going to get exposed. It's all going to get exposed. And then we go right back, and it says, And he gathered them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. This is where the word Armageddon comes in. This Hebrew word Armageddon is the name of a place where in ancient times there were many battles one. Uh, this is where there was a war of the Canaanites. There is, there was a great war. Um, there were several great wars. Some people call this place um, Mag- Magdala, uh, and basically it means what it means is it's a hill. So all of these, all of these kings and all of these armies are going to gather on this hill near Jerusalem. Now, the the importance of Armageddon, when you move it over into the Greek, the Jews outside of Jerusalem, is they had a place outside of the city where they would throw the dead and dead animals and things like this, and it was off of a hill, and this was where they would burn the dead. And this is the same place that Satan is going to gather all of the kings, all of the leaders of the world, And they're thinking that they're going to come to battle each other. More than likely, that's how the scene's going to look. Or maybe they're all coming together. They're they're all coming for a battle. We don't understand exactly why. I mean, I would like to think that the president of the United States would not go, well, the king of Israel wants us to go, the president of Israel wants us to come to Israel so we can get in a fight with God, so we're going to go. I would like to think that our president wouldn't be that dumb, but... Y'all have all, y'all all know what I'm saying. You all know what I'm saying. So I would like to think that that would not be the case. I would like to think it would be a case of like, well, these nations are moving against these nations, so America, we need you to come help stand against these evil nations. Like, that it would be like a deceit, like that type thing. But we don't know. All we know is they're all going to gather on this hill for a war. And what they're going to actually end up warring against is God. Now, a lot of your theologians have said that this is going to be a massive war, that there's going to be a lot of bloodshed, that it's just going to be just I mean it's going to be a big war and all of that. But let's read what the Bible actually says. Let's just read what the Bible actually says. It says, "And the seventh angel poured out his vial on into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven," From the throne saying it is done. And remember that. T- remember, God was not going to come out of his temple until the last vial was poured out. So this angel is going to pour out this vial into the air. And then out of the temple God is going to speak it is done. Now what, it, what happened, at, the, what happened at, um, at Gilgoth when Jesus said it is finished? What happened? What was it? The curtain ripped. What else? Derek said it. Say it boldly, sir. A huge earthquake. Check this out. Check this out. And that did rip the curtain. That's exactly right. He said this. He said, it is done. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such as, such as not seen since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. Listen, God is not even going to have to come out of the tabernacle to put Satan down. Jesus is not going to have to come and sword fight face to face with Jesus, or with Satan to get this thing accomplished. All that has to happen is God has to say from heaven, it is done, and guess what? He's coming down. It's going to be that simple. It's going to be that simple. And this earthquake is going to be so huge. Look at verse 19. And it says, And the great city was divided into three parts. How much do you know Jerusalem was divided when Jesus died on the cross? Well, guess what? When Jesus comes to get his victory, Jerusalem is going to be divided again. We saw in the prior chapter that uh, when Jesus came back, that the earth quaked, and that a tenth of the people died follow on Satan, then the walls came down, but ninety percent of the people got saved. Remember that? So he said so there was this great earthquake, and look at what it says. He said that the city was divided into three parts and the cities of nations fell. In other words, the, the all of these leaders are going to be in this spot and even their nations are going to fall. So here it is. You're going to have the leader of Russia, and Russia's going to fall. You're going to have the leader of Germany, and Germany's going to fall. You're going to have the leader of Iraq, and Iraq is going to fall. All of these nations, their their major cities are all going to fall at the same time. Talk about the power of God. The power of God. And it says, And great Babylon came into remembrance before God. In other words, at that moment... The city of Babylon, the city of sin. All of these people of sin are going to remember. Remember, I said ninety people, ninety percent of the people in Jerusalem received Christ at that last battle. They're going to come into remembrance, and they're and come into remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of the wrath. In other words, they're going to realize this is it. This is the end. This is God. And every island fled away. That means the islands are going to sink into the oceans. Don't be in an, don't don't live on an island in the last in the seven years. Don't be on an island. It's going to sink. Yeah, but we're talking like those smaller islands. And the mountains and the mountains were not found. In other words, these tall mountains that we live in, they're all coming to the they're all coming down to one level. Worldwide. Now, this, this is talking about now I don't know now I said, well what, but here's the deal. I don't know if this is only in Jerusalem or if this is worldwide, but it says that the mountains were not found. In other words, what was a mountain is now flat ground. That's how big this earthquake is going to be. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven. So now these, so now there's hail. Not only is there, not only is there an earthquake, but there's great hail coming out of heaven. Um, And each stone, he just gives us an idea, uh, each stone about the weight of a talent. A talent weighed close to 200 pounds. So these are hailstones coming out of the sky that weigh about how much I do. I'm not being, I mean, I'm just being, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine a hailstone of this falling out of the sky on you? I mean, come on. This is not okay. This is not okay. And the men bla- and look at this. And the men blasphemed God of the plague of hail, and the plague thereof was was exceeding great. The plague got worse. I'm trying to end on good notes, Jesus. And every one of these chapters ends badly. <laughs> the good news is is. The good news is, is if you live right, if you stay with God, you will not have to endure this. That's the good news. That's the good news. The other good news, listen. The the other the other good news is you are not going to have to face. You are not going to have to fight face to face with a demon. You know that's God's just going to say. God's going to say, uh, he's going to look at he's going to look at Satan and all of these people of God, all these people of men. And he's gonna go, really, Satan, really? you think I'm afraid of that earthquake, like seriously, like come on, so uh, yeah, so I would love to end on a good note, but this is where we're at, and um uh, now, chapter seventeen we'll get to next week, chapter seventeen they act the angels begin to actually explain to John some of this crazy stuff that we've been interpreting. If we had just said, let's just read it, and gotten to chapter 17, the angel of God would have explained some of this to us. So next week, we'll get to chapter 17, and he's just going to explain it to us. Honestly, I feel like it's just very straightforward, and we don't have to explain a whole lot. But but I said that, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. This will be okay. No big deal. And I was going ahead and I was reading 17 uh, today just to kind of give myself a jump on it. And I got to halfway through 17 and I hit a verse that I was like, wait, what? Like, wait, what? So there is going to be a head scratcher next week. I promise you that. And uh, I have it solved. I do have it solved. It took me a little while, but I I, I got it solved, didn't I, Miss Ann? We got it figured out, but I was like, wait, what? Will you hand me an envelope, Mr. Zach, please? So if tithes and offerings, thank you, Jesus. It's wonderful to give in the house of God. We'll give tithes and offerings tonight. Uh, Pastor Mike, y'all can, y'all can text him, y'all can call him. He's fine. He's in Oregon. Uh, yeah, he's in Oregon. And uh, he said, I said, you got a fire assignment yet? He said, no, but I think it won't be long. There's smoke drifting past the hotel right now. And I went, oh, that's fun. So, yeah. So, cool. Oh, yeah, he's already getting paid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he only gets paid 8 to 12 hours a day right now, somewhere in there. But, you know, still, it's better. it's better than staying home. There you go. There you go. Yeah, he had to work for it. You'll get there someday, Zach. It'll be okay. (laughs) It'll be okay. Let's bless the offering, shall we? Father, we ask that you bless this offering. Father, oh, it was so good to read your word. It's so good to see that, Father, we don't have to be here to endure this stuff because it's not worth being, oh, it's not worth it, Lord. Mm -mm, Nope, nope, nope. We ain't going there, Lord. Um, And, Father, we thank you that you give these people every chance and every opportunity um, to come to you, even in those last hours, in those last days. And, Father, as we prepare to give our tithes and our offerings, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your love and your mercy. Father, we know that your word is true. Your word is working. We've commanded Satan to take his hands off of our money. Therefore, he has to take his hands off of it. He has to release it and let it go. Every area of finance, every area of prosperity, he must release it. He must let it go. And the angels, we command you to go according to the word that cause increase to come in every area of our life according to God's holy riches and power. And, Father, we thank you that your word is true. Your word is working in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Father, we thank you for increase of 60, 100-fold in Jesus' mighty name. You may serve the people. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.